If the world hates you, realize that it hated me first. No slave is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Christ says in our gospel, and it is a simple truth that if we follow Christ, we will face hostility from the world to one degree or another. You know, a while ago, I read a book called Anti-Catholicism, The Last Acceptable Prejudice by Philip Jenkins, a, a professor of history and religious studies at Penn State University. The anti-Catholicism, which Jenkins uh, writes about, it, it's different from what we, uh, from the, the type of anti-Catholicism we read about in history books. In the United States in the 19th century and, and, and even the first half of the 20th century, anti-Catholic prejudice was fueled by, really by two things, by a nativist sentiment, an anti-immigration sentiment, and then also by just the general Protestant worldview. The United States population was uh, majority Protestant and, uh, you know, they, for instance, uh, Harry Truman, this actually happened 60, not even a little over 60 years ago. In 1959, he gave an interview where he basically said he didn't think a Catholic should take uh, any kind of high office, high political office in the United States because they had loyalty to another country, uh, to the Vatican City State, uh, to the Pope. Paraphrasing him, but that's that's kind of the classical, if you will, anti-Catholicism in United States history that comes from either a nativist nativist sentiment or just the general Protestant worldview. No, the anti-Catholicism Jenkins writes about it's different. It's shifted in the modern times. Ironically, it comes from those institutions who champion themselves as fairly treating and respecting virtually any marginal or maligned group. You know, and look, I'll be honest, on a, on a personal level, when I see this gospel passage where Jesus points out that the world hates us, there is a part of me which wants to take the opportunity to rail and rant against the church's modern-day enemies. She has many, and they very often occupy the places of elite influence and power in our culture and society. The media, both the press and Hollywood, certain corners of academia, the political arena to be sure. And this anti-Catholicism is malicious, but it's also subtle. So subtle, uh, people <laughs> seem not to notice it. Look, the world is no friend of Christianity. The world is no friend of the Catholic Church. It never has been. It never will be. But Christ's point in telling us that we're going to face opposition, persecution, and hostility, it's not to rile us up so that we are spoiling for a fight in the culture war. No, his point is that we're going to face opposition, persecution, hostility, and we are still supposed to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We talked yesterday about love, how it isn't an emotion or a feeling, but a choice, a choice to will the good of another. And that is perhaps most put to the, to the test when it comes to those who hate us, those who malign us, those who ridicule the faith. So how can we love our enemies? Well, we look to the example of Christ, right? Uh, look, the church is, the church is, is maligned to some degree in our media today, but that's nothing compared to what Christ endured. The greatest miscarriage of justice in the history of the universe took place on Good Friday, yet Christ loved and forgave those who falsely accused, wrong, 
wrongly convicted and executed him. We ought to strive to follow his example. And a good first step is praying. When we see a media personality ridiculing the faith, we ought to pray for him. When we see a columnist portray the church as irrational and backwards, a medieval institution for not getting on board with the sexual revolution or for opposing abortion, we have to pray for her. We have to pray for our enemies and pray for Christ to transform our hearts to be more like his so that we can love our enemies as he has loved us.